What is going on, everybody? And thank you for tuning in live to another episode of Boots to Balls. We are right here live on the Boot Sports Network on YouTube and the internet around the world, as you'll notice. Once again, uh, yes. it is just Donald and myself. We are not in our usual abodes at Echo Tango, mm. and uh, we are down a man, a dynamic yes. duo yet again for the second straight week. Unfortunately, producer Brett has the flu. Very ill. The second of the Boot Sports crew to fall to it this year. We hate to see it. That's true, which means... Uh, Donald, you are the the shining beacon right. of outstanding health. I don't know uh, how. Or the last one to get it. We'll see how <laughs> that works. Hopefully you avoid it because uh, the flu sucks this year. Yes. It yes, is garbage. Uh, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, if you don't know, obviously that uh, that guy is the Donald. Yes. He is the Donald. He's not the Donald. I'm trying to figure it out. There we go. I got two screens over here, and I don't know which one I'm looking at half the time. Uh, so right hand points to Donald. Yes. There we go. That works. All right. He is Donald Dunn. Boots Sports super fan uh, turned co-host. And I am David Storm Manning, PA announcer, game day host for your New Orleans Saints. And boy, oh boy, they've won mm. two in a row for like the fourth time this season. Is it finally enough to be the two in a row that gets them to three? It has to be. It to needs so. to be. You'd have to think so. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Uh, but before we get into sports, a couple of quick housekeeping notes. Uh, this is going to be our last episode of 2023. Uh, we're going to take next week off so we can yep. enjoy Christmas with our friends and family. And uh, hopefully you guys uh, will do the same. And then we will be back around January 3rd-ish. Because when, uh, when we're looking to get back into things. So because of that, that means uh, we got a lot to cover. We've got two Saints games. We have one coming up on Thursday. And then we're going to have the uh, the New Year's Eve game. That will happen before we get back. Uh, we've got bowl games to cover. LSU Absolutely. and Tulane both going to be in bowl games. So we're going to go over that. And then we have all of our other boot sports and news. Uh, so... Uh, thankfully, you guys along for the ride. And because we are live streaming, uh, of course, you guys can chat real time in the uh, in the stream. And we'll see those comments as they yep. come up. And uh, if they're good and pertinent uh, and they hunt into our show, then, uh, of course, uh, we will share those with everybody. If you are not watching it live, then please still leave those comments. And uh, we will definitely make sure that we uh, we get back to those comments in the next episode. Absolutely. Uh, we did get some predictions from the last episode, and we will include those when we look back from uh, to our games from last week. That's a little bit later on in the show. But, Donald, if you are ready. Oh, yes. I am ready. Let's, let's jump it. into some boot sports and let's talk. Okay. Okay. Saints football. Every week. I love it. I love it. <laughs> you could give me a soundboard and expect me not to use it. Mm-mm. Not going to happen, Captain. Uh, and I'm happy about this game. I'm so happy about this game for a number of reasons. The Saints welcomed Tommy DeVito, a.k.a. Tommy Cutlets, to the uh, to the Caesars Superdome. 
and wish that filthy animal a very merry Christmas. How you doing? Ah. And I tell you what, man, did we have some fun with old Tommy Cutlets oh, in yes. the dome. Uh, I imagine that he left going, man, F New Orleans. They <laughs> all suck. I hate them. Uh, because every, he got sacked six times. Oh, yeah. It was uh, a rough day for Tommy. Short, shirt and I was told- torn. Like, he was looking a little disheveled by the end of the day. I had to go in the injury tent locker room for a little bit. Man. If, if you were a Tommy Cutlets fan, I'm sorry. I'm not not a Tommy Cutlets fan. I love what he was able to do the three weeks prior to coming in. I wanted him to do exactly what he did in, in the Dome, if not less. Uh, and he did exactly that. And we all got a chance to play. It it was the that whole Italian heritage. And I have Italian blood in me, so it's not, it's not a racist thing. Yeah. It's a fun thing. If he's going to run around and do it, how you doing? We should all be able to go, hey, how you doing? And, and hey, boy, he's making oh some boy. money doing some how you doings. Boy, I tell you what. So one of, uh, one of the, the segments that we do on game day in the Dome is the Entergy Power Play. Absolutely. And I walked in and I said, look, I don't do this often, but I am calling my shot because I already know exactly what I'm going to say. If the Saints sack Tommy DeVito, that's our Entergy Power Play. Has to be. And they, they went, okay. And we did, early and often. And I said, that's that's the one. Write it yeah. down. Pick, it's pick done. your favorite. So when we finally got a chance to come back around to it, Demario Davis was the one who actually had the sack. And uh, and I said, all right, Saints fans, here is your energy power play of the game. You guys are all familiar with Southern hospitality, right? Well, our Saints defensive line just couldn't wait to welcome Tommy Cutlets to the Big Easy. But it was Demario Davis who first caught up with him in a dark alley and asked him, how you doing, before wishing him a Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. And that was today's energy. It was almost word oh, for yeah. word exactly that. Everybody in the booth was laughing. You could hear faint laughter out in the dome. Brian Brzee gets a sack later. He gets up yeah. and, how you doing? And I'm just... up there, yeah. It's a good day to be a Saints fan, is all I'm saying. It was so much fun. Uh, for the Saints to win the way they won. And uh, look, no hard feelings oh, towards yeah. uh, towards Tommy DeVito or any of the Giants. I wish him a very successful career, just not when he's in New Orleans. Nope. Can't have so, that uh, Indeed, indeed, indeed. With that win, Saints won 24-6. to They are now 7-7 seven and seven and back up tied for tops in the NFC South. And not only did the Saints defense have a great game, Derek Carr had his best game as a New Orleans Saint. Statistically, undeniably, his best best game game as a New Orleans Saint. 23 for 28, 218, 82.1 completion percentage. Three touchdowns, no interceptions, quarterback rating of 134.8. Now, impressive day. 218 yards is not a lot, but 82.1 completion percentage, quarterback rating of 134.8. Very nice. Far be it for me to say it to all the people who are clamoring for fire him and fire him and fire him. Those were Breeze-esque numbers. I'm not going to go that far, but it was a very nice day for Derek Carr. 
82.1% completion percentage, not a Breeze-esque number. I mean, you have the right pieces to the puzzle. 134 point. I'm not saying he is the second coming of Drew Breeze's. Oh, yeah. What I'm saying is, if he were to consistently put up those numbers, we wouldn't be in the football climate we are currently in in New Orleans. And, and not to mention that, you know, this team is still on the foundation of the Breeze era, and to see one of the great pillars of the Breeze era get to go out and make his name 100% renowned back to the Houdet Nation Saints fans in general, you see a guy like Jimmy Graham, who for so long uh, was sort of a memory, a bit of nostalgia for Saints fans, to be able to come and see that nostalgia live now week after week. You know, it makes you wonder why was he not in the offensive game plan earlier in the year but the fact is i believe it's now six catches four touchdowns something along those numbers uh ridiculous touchdown the catch ratio do you think it's more of a gimmick at this point or is jimmy going to be part of the playoff run if we're so lucky to make it that far i think that it is becoming a gimmick uh it and here's why i say that i don't think that it is i think that Dennis Allen and crew have known that in a position like that, Jimmy Graham is more than reliable. Yeah. Um, he doesn't get a lot of touches. You've got Foster Morrow, who is, uh, he's a fantastic tight end. Juwan Johnson is having a good year. He's not having a great year. He's not having a bad year. He is sizable. He is a, he's a good tight end. Um, I don't know why Jimmy Graham isn't higher on the tight end list. I don't. Uh, but every time that we are within seven yards of the goal line, everybody sees him go in and goes, ah, touchdown, Jimmy, yep, Graham. touchdown Jimmy Graham. And within two plays, guess what happens? Touchdown, Jimmy Graham. One of our spotters up in the booth, uh, Ms. Mary Beth Romig, she called it. She said, I'm telling you, this drive is going to be a touchdown, Jimmy Graham. Two plays later, in comes Jimmy, who catches the ball in the end zone. So for me to say that it's not becoming a gimmick would not be fair. It seems like it is becoming a gimmick. Um, I wouldn't say that it is yet. If we had more of the season to play and it continued to happen consistently, uh, what we did joke about in the booth was um, we called him One Hands Graham. Oh, there you go. One hands Graham, and this was this was something I jokingly came up with because he's had one catch per game for the last couple of games. Mm-hmm. He's one hands Graham. He's going to get one. He's, he's he's one. one. Maybe it's Just a touchdown singular. more often than not. One of them. Yeah, one. He caught two that game. He caught a pass somewhere else before the touchdown, and then he got the touchdown. And joking, again, Mary Beth, who called the Jimmy Graham touchdown, she turns around and goes, it's two hands Graham! Two hands Graham! And so we've kind of... <laughs> laughed at it i hope he's 99 hands graham yeah uh because he has been one of the more reliable players uh for the saints offensively this season and the numbers are undeniable if you're looking at jimmy graham uh more often than not he's gonna give you what it is you're looking for and ain't nothing wrong with that um the one thing it was a very complete game but the one thing that i guess i I and a lot of other fans wanted to see that we didn't see zero turnovers. 
The defense was outstanding. They kept New York out of the end zone. No turnovers. No fumble recoveries. No interceptions. Nada. Yeah. I don't think the Saints are going to have that much luck in Los Angeles Thursday without a turnover or two. I think they're going to have to get one or two. Mm-hmm. Jared Goff, no disrespect, is not hey. Tommy Cutlin. So, mm-hmm. hey, how you doing? Um, Jared Goff. It, that is Jared oh, Goff? Stafford. No, Matt Stafford. Oh, those two We've already seen Jared games. Goff. Well, and I don't want to see him again because that was a rough game. I, I'm still... <laughs> I still have that whole... Jared Goff NFC Championship. Oh, oh that, that bad memory is yeah. burned deep in the brain. Yep. So long as Jared Goff is playing in my head for whatever reason, yep. I know I'm wrong. The He's the Rams, Los Rams jersey. Just because up. we owe him one for that oh. night. But no, we'll, we'll sack Matthew Stafford too. Don't don't think we'll take any uh, any missed pulls, any any pull punches. Oh no, uh, we go get it. We're gonna get it, Maddie. We have to get it, Maddie. We have to get it, Maddie, and we have to get it, everybody in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that disappointed me, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to keep praying it into existence. Yep. Hashtag let Jamal score. Please. Please. Just give him one. Just one would be nice. That man went from scoring the most touchdowns, uh, on the entire Lions team breaking records while he was over there to nothing nice. here. Let that man have one. Let that man have one. Um. Anyway, we still got a couple of regular season games and the playoffs, which the Saints are going to make. Yeah, I definitely. Said it. I said it. Call me out. Tell me I'm wrong if you think I'm wrong. Uh, the Saints are going to make the playoffs. And I guess I'll go ahead and touch on that analytics now. Um, go obvious- ahead. Obviously, we look at this going a little bit further into the year. You know, what do we have left with three games to go? Basically, the Saints need, in my personal opinion, running through the playoff machine, it is to the Saints' benefit to basically take this L.A. win on Thursday, and then with most scenarios that would make sense, the Saints would have the ability to drop one of the NFC South games which sounds completely crazy. You're going to say, Donald, well, you know, we need to get both of those to have the division record to be able to then go. And the fact is, L.A. has such a unique tiebreaker record that if you can grab that as part of your tiebreaker record, to keep it very simple for you, Atlanta and Tampa are basically going to get the losses by themselves. And then you gain a tiebreaker on Atlanta and Tampa because Atlanta decided to lose to a team that could barely put up a high school stadium's worth of attendance. Congratulations, Carolina. Thank you for getting that out of the way for us. So what we're seeing this Thursday night, which is a unique element for the Saints, it's our second time on Thursday night football. We are not, we're not the best team all time on Thursday night football. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I mean, look, since the Breeze and Peyton era, prime time has not been nice to the Saints. No. Derek Carr hey. needs to just tighten all the, you know, Cam Jordan's back in California. He needs to put on a show for the college fans that are still around. Something to please get the Saints this win. Because if that's the case, then we're predicting who we're playing in the playoffs, not do we need to win both these games and this, this, and this to make a seed. So I think it's going to be a great opportunity for the Saints with a victory to basically not punch the ticket all the way, but to price the ticket out and decide they're sitting first class or if they're sitting in economy. So, 
I understand the analytics, and if I have been anything this season, it has been a numbers guy. Following the stats, numbers don't lie, and I get it. Maybe it's touchdown more The Saints have two different paths to the playoffs right now. Absolutely. They have the potential for a wild card spot. They have the potential for a division championship spot. I would much rather see them take the division championship spot. I would much rather, uh, and not even just from from a fandom point of view, I would much rather, if the Saints are going to lose one, let it be this one, but let them win against Tampa Bay and Atlanta and take the division. What makes me nervous looking at things, if we if we if we take the, it w- it would be seventh seed if yeah. we took a wild card spot. Actually, it wouldn't be any higher. Likely, believe it or not, you very think? hard for us to get to seven. Very hard. You think it would be harder for us to get to seven than six? Just based on the tiebreakers, where we would most likely end up at six. That's crazy. It is. It is. And you would think, for all the hate that this team has gotten all year, to then be sitting at about you know a 50 50 shot at winning a division and about uh you know maybe 60 40 at making the playoffs as not the last seed in you think the climate would be a lot different but this fan who's base third, is what it is who's third seed right now right now third would be detroit most likely detroit. first being uh, philly or san francisco or dallas if yeah i was dallas, about to say dallas yeah. dallas has the the tiebreaker over philly at the moment yeah right now yeah so I would much rather be four playing five than yeah. six playing three. Um, I, we've already done Detroit. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe yeah. we, maybe it would help us to game plan for them a Does little Jamal bit better. Jamal finally score? It would be in Detroit. Of course, that he does. That would be that would be interesting. I wonder if he would get love in Detroit returning. I wonder if they would be happy to see him or not, especially considering it's a playoff game. I don't but, feel like they have bad blood. I'm not sure why they would. No, I don't I don't think Jamal and the fans there have bad blood. I would hope that they don't. Um the organization and Jamal? Hey. Maybe, maybe I don't know. A he different seemed, story. He seemed like he left with a smidge of a chip on his shoulder. I could be Just misreading t- that entirely, but I I don't know. Um but looking at the way that things are going to play out, me if, if I can control my own destiny, oh, yeah. I would much rather control my own destiny. And if it means, assuming that I have to lose, in, in the perfect world, the Saints need to win out. I they agree. need to show that they have figured out how to do it. They have held uh, their opponents to a total of 12 points in two weeks. They have outscored them I want to say it's like 50-something to 12. I think I have that written down somewhere later on in the show. Mm-hmm. If that is the way the Saints are going to play football for the rest of the season, oh yeah, give me that. Give all, all me that. Long. All season long. If the Saints can beat the Rams on Thursday, the Rams are 7-7 seven and seven as well. They're playing, pretty, they're playing pretty decently right now. Quite if decent. the Saints can beat the Rams, then we can handle any 4th, 5th, or 6th seed or excuse me, 5th, 6th, or 7th seed, we could actually win a hosted playoff game. 
<laughs> I would love to see what the dynamic in the dome would be like then. Because, of course, at that point, you want the Saints to go as far as they can. Yeah. If the Saints win out, that's a five-game win streak. They've won two, three left to go. They would have won five in a row going into that playoff game against a lesser seed in the Dome. I don't know that even if the Saints have put it all together, if this is their year and they're going to go yeah. on some magical late-season run and end up in the Super Bowl. I would be shocked. I think the entire world would be shocked. Super excited. Oh, yeah. Super shocked. I just don't see that happening. But I would love to see them in a position where maybe they could win a playoff game at home. And I think, just to kind of wrap this little segment up here, you know, you look at the Saints. You look at where they've been. If you backdoor into hosting this playoff game, or let's say, you know, at this point you've basically earned it, considering all the trials and tribulations you've gone through, you managed to get into this playoff game, don't think the Saints and I know this is your job, technically, have everything lined up to start getting the fan base fully on board. Because as much as we can, you know, complain and moan and groan during the season as you go through the pains of, oh, we lost this game that we should have won, and if we were one play away here, we get this, and why doesn't the coach do what I think because I know better because I'm the one sitting at home. If the Saints are in the Dome in the playoffs... I have no doubt that there will be support for that team. Especially if it comes off the back end of a basically three or four game winning streak, three out of four games. I, I take it from what Louisiana does for LSU. We looked at it last year with Brian Kelly. He lost that big game to Tennessee, sort of his first chance to make an impression on the fan base. And by the end of the year, no one had any doubt about that team going into Texas a and even yeah. then, there was not a lot of hate because we saw the growth that happened. And if we see that same growth with the Saints, I think it would take probably 10-7 and 7 over 9-8 and 8 to really hush any, you know, like hot seat conversation. But I feel like the fan base is starting to understand where the team is, and they know there's improvements to be made. But we've played ourselves out of the pipe dream that we can get a, you know, top five pick. And now we're really settled on, well, we got to win now because we're winners. The Saints, if they win out, which is possible. Yes. It is It is better than possible. You are playing no better team than yourself. Only teams of your record are worse. They finish 10-7 and seven yeah. division champs. We talked about this earlier in the season. We talked about it, I think, we, the first episode of the season. Correct. When we talked about our regular season predictions, you, if I recall correctly, said... You thought 10-7. and seven. I thought the Saints had the potential to go 11-6. and six. Yep. Clearly, that's not going to happen. Now, if I predict 10-7, and seven, I'm going to go ahead and put in the appeal that that gets me 10 dings in our prediction segment. <laughs> just just saying. Just saying. We'll, uh, we'll take a look, and we'll see what happens. Absolutely. 10-7 um, and seven and division champs. If we go back to that day when we made that prediction, nobody was upset with that. Nope. That Nobody had a reason to complain. We were all super excited about it. I think that changes the tone of the conversation. I think it does as well. I'm just saying. We'll see. We'll have to see. Lots of stuff going on there. Uh, the Buccaneers, real quick. Yep. Here's why this week, to, to me, is super important for the Saints to win. 
the Buccaneers have the Jaguars this weekend. Yes. That is going to be their most challenging game outside of the Saints game to go to date. Now, they've got the Jags, the Saints, and the Panthers left to play. Obviously, I'm assuming that we're going to win that game only because we have to. Yes. They lose the Jaguars, lose to the Saints. If we win to the Rams and we win against Tampa Bay, then we will have the record and Correct. we will have the tiebreaker. Correct. Because they won't be able to catch us. We'll be we we could lose to Atlanta in the season finale and still finish a game ahead. Atlanta took an L to the Panthers who they should have beat. Thank you, Carolina. Thank you, Carolina. They have the Colts this week, which should be another L. Here's open. The Bears, that they'll probably win. And then we finish with the Saints. There's still a lot of football left to play. And this could go in any sort of squirrely direction. Our division is not that good, but we could be the best. best in, the... the best of the worst division in the NFC. Absolutely. It's crazy to imagine. Crazy to imagine. We're going to move on. we got some college yes. football to talk about here in just a little bit. But while we're talking about football, y'all know no self-respecting fan likes to play on ugly turf, mm. which is why I and so many others trust my long hair to Fleur de Green Lawn and Landscaping. Chris and the crew at Fleur de Green do so much more than just mow lawns, which I can tell you from firsthand experience, they do do well. Uh, but they can also help with landscaping installation, plant and garden maintenance, drainage, irrigation installs and repairs, pavestone patios, fences, and a whole lot more. For examples of their work, check them out on Facebook at Fleur de Green Lawn and Landscape. Or for more information, call Fleur de Green at 504-240-8044. That's 504-240-8044. You can also email fdglandscape at gmail.com. Tell them David Storm sent you. Fleur de Green Lawn and Landscape. They love what they do, and you will too. I do. And, of course, we would be terribly upset with ourselves if we didn't mention our other lovely supporters here on the Boot Sports Network, and one of those, of course, being McNeil Engineering. McNeil Engineering provides comprehensive design services, including civil engineering, structural engineering, land surveying, high-definition scanning, landscape architecture, and consulting services to the private and public sectors. They are committed to delivering timely, responsive, and economical design solutions. For over 30 years, McNeil Engineering has thrived on providing quality designs to their clients. They immerse themselves in each project and become a part of the team. To thoroughly understand the customer's vision, they care about the economics of the project, and more importantly, the satisfaction of each customer. Project deadlines are an absolute, not a goal. Once again, we thank McNeil Engineering. Indeed, we do. Before we jump into uh, our college coverage, uh, we need to take a moment to solicit prayers for producer producer Brett. Yeah. Uh, because the flu must be way worse than we had originally expected. <laughs> uh, he's in the comments saying, despite the sexiest man on earth not producing tonight due to illness... Oh, I didn't realize it was so bad. He's delusional. He's, He's delusional. hallucinating. He's lost his mind. He said uh, the show's commentary is still legendary. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank you, producer Brett. Love you. I hope you feel better soon. All right. It's time to keep up with that legendary commentary. Are we ready? I think so. Ooh, it's time to talk tigers, baby. Uh the Relia Quest Bowl. LSU is 
going to be playing the ReliaQuest Bowl. That's on New Year's Day. And they enter the ReliaQuest Bowl ranked 13th. So, Donald, yes. I lead in to you with this. If this were next year, we would be uh, looking at the 12-team playoff format. Yeah. LSU would be ranked 13th. After the season that LSU had, would we be yelling snub right now a la Florida State this year? I think if you look at this Tiger season, you probably would not. You knew that you were weak in one department and it was your downfall. The only way how you kind of could formulate the argument is that we beat Missouri on Missouri's field. Therefore, potentially they are the weaker team of the two of us. But we are currently last team out based on how things are set up with uh, Oklahoma as well. They are ranked number 12. So personally, I would not be making a uh, big argument that it is our right to be in that 12-team playoff. However, this team is one that I don't feel like is any worse off for being the team that they've been this year. And now we get to see a new version of this team after the recent announcements regarding the opt-outs that are going to be coming for this bowl game. And it's going to be pretty fun to see you know, what we do with some of these backups that haven't gotten a lot of playing time. Indeed. Speaking of opting out, uh, we talked about it last week. We were discussing whether or not Jaden was going to play in the Relia Quest Bowl. And uh, the reason for him to play would have been just to be the one to throw those passes to Malik Neighbors to help him break the record. Well, Absolutely. we got our definitive answer this past week, and it was no. No. He, he is not going to be playing in the Relia Quest Bowl. Mm. actually we can't really be upset with that yeah. he is uh, he is preparing to enter the draft and uh we wish him well with that uh, he's gonna go he's gonna go early uh if the saints end up making it to the playoffs they're gonna fall a little bit deeper into the draft order i don't know that Jaden is still gonna be around when the saints do get up there if that's the case you know. so we'll have to wait and see where he ends up don't forget, you know, the Saints are the only organization that thought it was a good idea to trade every single one of their draft picks for the Heisman Trophy winner. We've done it once. Is it time to repeat the process? If the Heisman Trophy winner were any position other than a quarterback, we'd debate it. But only one time in history. Only We've talked time. about that, too. It was old Uncle Archie. Archie yeah. Manning. Bag in the day. And, uh... I haven't done it since. It's been 50 years. It would shock me. It would shock me. Not to say Jaden's not worth it. Not to oh, say yeah. he ain't special, because he is. But I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't know. And also, it depends. If the Saints go 10-7, and 7, win the South, make the playoffs, suddenly uh, all that money you're paying to Derek Carr seems a bit more justifiable. Just a little bit, doesn't it? So, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have, to, we'll have to wait and see. Malik Neighbors, as we've discussed, he is 22 yards shy to break Josh Reed's record of 3,001 for the most career receiving yards. We know that Jaden is not going to be playing, so it looks like it's all aboard the Nuss bus. Absolutely. So with Garrett Nussmeyer throwing, is Jaden going to get the – I mean, not Jaden. Jaden ain't going to get mm. nothing. Will Malik get those yards? How long will it take? And if he breaks the record early, 
does he play the rest of the game, or is he see you by as soon as he breaks the record? I, I think what you're going to see from Malik, we've talked about it on previous episodes here, Malik is going to get his record. Now, if it was up to Malik, he's going to run one, you know, across the middle route, get no contact, go down on his own, getting exactly 20 yards, and basically do a, you know, tip of the hat, walk off the field, and, you know, retire the number one wide receiver in Tigers history. Realistically, I think Malik is going to end up being in a bit of a situation to where he has to maybe play a down, a couple series even, to go ahead and get those yards all together. And then I think that'll be it for him. Um, I don't see a reason if, you know, you look at someone like Jaden who's deciding to opt out. Malik is doing something very noble. We certainly applaud Malik for going for the record. I don't think he's going to take any additional risk when he has to. He will most likely take his catches, take his yards, and then go ahead and sit the rest of the game out, cheering on the rest of the Tigers to be. All right. If you are playing defense... If you're Wisconsin, you know Malik Neighbors is going for the record. Easily. Are you going to make it hard? Are you going to try to make it hard on him? Or are you going to let him hurry up, get the record, give him a 25-yard cushion, and then push him out of bounds and see you by and be done with it? I don't think Wisconsin has a lot of incentive to try and be overly... Um, aggressive or overly, uh, I guess you could say, it, it really over-aggressive is the correct term, both in the sense of play coverage and in the sense of tackling. Because, obviously, I think an unsportsmanlike conduct would easily come out because it's a very known aspect, the unspoken rules of the game. Sort of, you know, you have to let that guy get his, and then you're welcome to go get yours. Um I don't see it being a very big issue. I see at most it'll be mundane plays, very normal things we've seen from Malik. Hopefully we get to see some of that Nuss, you know, absolute just launching a rocket across the field like we saw against Georgia games like that. And you see Malik go out there and maybe catch a quick one, get, you know, a couple touchdowns, get to do another celebration with the guys, and then you call that a day. So I'm not worried about it. I don't think there's a reason to be very worried about it. I just hope that it goes smoothly, nobody gets injured, and it doesn't start any sort of uh, internal scuffle. Oh, come on. Fights don't break out in bowl games. You're kidding me. Never. (laughs) Um, Jaden Daniels, Malik Neighbors. Are they as iconic, are they more iconic of a duo than Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase? I think this week we saw a little bit more of how they interact as a pairing. They were at the Pelicans game last night, you know, and uh, that's sort of a unique thing to see. Joe is forever linked to both Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase because those two are both very elite at the professional level. I think you're going to see maybe the conversation of Brian Thomas start coming out a little bit more should he have a NFL career to the level of Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase. As of now, though, we know one should have won a Bolitnikoff and one won a Heisman. Those two are linked, and they will forever be part of one of the best offenses to ever play for the Tigers. And they will go down, basically I'm thinking in a similar core to those of Tyron Matthew, Odell Beckham Jr., Patrick Peterson, 
players that generationally are known, even though they may not have won that national championship, everybody can point and say, no, that was one of your greatest Tigers of all time. Indeed. So I asked that question to lead in to this. Malik Neighbors had a post on Instagram. Mm. His Instagram account is uh, very familiar sound. Oh, very familiar you're asking me. Can't guard underscore Malik. Where have we heard that before? Mm. It seems to have since been deleted, but it was reposted by Barstool, NOLA, and LSU Barstool before it was deleted. So we all got a chance to see it. We saw it. And in that post, Jaden asks Malik, we a package deal, bro? And Malik says... Quote, no, I'm not going to the Saints. Hmm. How do we feel about that? You know, I feel like at one point, if that's Malik trolling the fan base, good on Malik. If that's Malik saying, hey, I want to go to the Saints, make me go there instead of you, good on Malik. Honestly, I'm not too worried about it. It was definitely an eye, you know, like an eye catcher. You see, like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> You said who? About what? No, honestly, at the end of the day, if Malik ends up with the Saints, it would be a very big shocker. I don't see the Saints even considering wide receiver early on. That's not really how anybody sees us drafting. Um, We learned our lesson with certain other wide receivers from the Ohio State University. We won't talk about But, you know, I think Jaden's out of the picture. But are those to a package deal is a worthy question for a team that has a package set of picks in the top five. You know, will they end up somewhere like Chicago, where you see Jaden as quarterback, then you get Malik out there, and that becomes Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, like you started off this segment with. You know, there's no reason why that can't be a thing. I'm going to tell you why it can't be a thing. Hmm. The reason why Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase got to be a thing in Cincinnati is because there was a year of separation between the two in the draft. Yeah. You're looking at all tongue-in-cheek picking at the Saints aside. Mm -hmm. You're looking at two elite college athletes who are on par, on pace, to have a fantastic potentially breakout rookie season in the NFL. If you think that whoever picks, first of all, Jaden's going to get picked before Malik neighbors. You re- I believe you, you that. Write that down. Mark the tape. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I will. I would be shocked, shocked hmm. if it doesn't happen. Okay. I, you've got, you've got Bolitnikoff winners who, if you need a wide receiver, you're probably going to look in that direction first. There are a ton, not a ton, there are at least a good two or three handfuls of fantastic receivers that are going to catch attention in the in the early stages of the draft. Not a lot of people early on in the draft are going to be looking for receivers. I think you're going to have way more people early in the draft looking for quarterbacks than you're going to have looking for receivers. The way that things went this year in the NFL with quarterbacks going down, teams not playing to their potential, there's going to be a lot of restructuring done in the NFL offseason. And I think quarterbacks are going to be a very hot commodity. Yeah. I mean, the Saints are a 500 team right now with aspirations, not aspirations, um, 
No. Aspirations. They're yeah. aspiring. That's For a minute there, I was like, they're not sweating. That's perspiration. Hmm. With aspirations well, of a division championship and a playoff run. Look, I tell you what, when I start talking about it, I know it makes some people sweat. So, um, but everybody's talking about get rid of Derek Carr and bring Jaden into the Saints. Oh, yeah. So, I'm, I'm telling you, I think that Jaden is going to go first. Yes. And whatever team picks up Jaden, I don't believe Malik is going to be around long enough for that team, short of some sort of maybe Chicago, uh, draft day it. movie script trade scenario uh, that they're going to come around and get him. Chicago might be the only one, and I would, I would be surprised. And then you start the Justin Fields in New Orleans campaign. No, <laughs> no, no, I would not. On the record, not not enjoying that one. I, mm, I if the Saints are going to go in, in a different quarterback route, and I'm I am not saying that I am either for or against Derek Carr. I will say, I will say that I am 100 percent for the Saints. I for want the Saints starting is, quarterback. You want the Saints starting quarterback to I, be a winner. I want what is best for the team. I want the team to be able to produce and succeed. I want to get back to the promised land. I Absolutely. want prosperity again. I want long-term success for the New Orleans Saints, like every fan does. Yes. I am along for the ride. If it is Derek Carr, if things have finally settled in and, and he is the guy, groovy. Yes. If he's not, fine. But if he's not, I don't want to keep kicking the can down the road, as the saying goes, and take what would be, in that scenario, a mediocre to poor quarterback and replace him with another mediocre to poor quarterback. And if these quarterbacks are mediocre, if they're not mediocre to poor, then maybe we need to find what is making those quarterbacks mediocre to poor and replace them, mm. and then see how our quarterbacks perform under a different light bulb. Yeah, I can see what you mean. I can see what you mean by that. So, I, no, I don't want Justin Fields in New Orleans. I don't think any Saints fan wants Justin Fields in New Orleans. Um, no disrespect to Justin Fields. He just if we're gonna if we're gonna go the route of another quarterback, I think we'd like somebody that we can either is unproven that we can take a chance on. A, a rookie like a Jaden Daniels. Yeah. Or you want somebody with a proven track record that is better than mediocre. Yeah. And considering our Top 10. our cap woes and how everything is structured, that's going to be harder to do. Especially with the money we're already into Derek Carr. No, that's so, going to be a rough, rough, talk, rough task if mm -hmm. we ask for that. Indeed. It's going to be very interesting to see. Um... And uh, regarding Malik not coming to New Orleans, not wanting to come to the Saints, that's cool. I look, go where it makes you happy. For that's what right. it's worth, I don't think we need two wide receivers with can't guard me Instagram names sitting on the bench for three It'd years. Be a little confusing. Time. It would be very confusing. Tagging but, in the social media department wouldn't want a piece of it. Malik, you are so good. Why you got to copy somebody else's Instagram hashtag? Watch. Brand. It's a brand, a recognition. It is. Can't guard Mike was there way first. You gotta give that man his props. He's gonna find you. 
they will talk to you about that Instagram. Oh, that yeah, that would be one of those uh, you know preseason like, hey, rookie, I need to get rid of that. Say, bruh, yeah, and no, you can't have my number neither. Not that he would, but you know what I'm saying. All right, so that's LSU. We're going to uh, we'll get into the actual bowl game coverage a little bit later on in the show while we look ahead to uh, uh, to covering that game. Some analysis. But before we leave the college stadiums, we have another boot team. Yes. Uh, that they've got a bowl game coming up as well. Theirs a little earlier than LSU's. And that is the Tulane Green Wave. And unfortunately, I don't really have uh, yeah, a cool Tulane theme sound yet. Tulane. Working on it. It's a work in progress. We'll get there. Tulane, they've got Virginia Tech in the GoBowling.com Military Bowl. In similar fashion to Jane Daniels at LSU, quarterback Michael Pratt has opted out of the Military Bowl, mm. leaving backups Kai Horton and Justin Ebieta to compete for the starting position. Here's where I'm very confused. Okay. I have read articles saying Kai Horton is in to play. He's going to be competing for the starting job. But Kai Horton is also in the transfer portal. Yeah, I thought he was gone. So is he or is he not there? Lots of conflicting stories. Not quite sure. We're going to have to tune in to, to find out. It's starting to give me a little bit of a reminiscence to that Texas Bowl that LSU played after Brian Kelly arrived, where you're going to have an interim coach coaching the game. Your primary players that theoretically will lead you into next year are opting out of playing for whatever reason, and your new head coach is going to be sitting up in the booth, maybe writing down some notes about who's staying and who's going. I think that's a chance to get a really good fresh start, but it always is this you know strange scenario where you're going to see... Um, you know, their coach be interviewed during the middle of the game wearing a suit and tie. Yeah. Truth. Um, and here's the funny thing. Kai Horton, not the only two-lane player this season that has entered the transfer portal. Far from it. That has, uh, that is slated to play in the bowl game. Uh, bookend D-line starters, Devion Deal and Keith Cooper along with tight end Alex Bowman, they are, they are they're going to play. Yeah. Interim coach Slade Nagel's explanation for this, which still doesn't really explain much to me. This is the 2023 Tulane football team, and that's the way we approached it. It's a different day and age in college football. What we tried to focus on is, hey, look, everybody's got decisions. But right now, for the next week and a half, we're going to prepare as the 2023 Green Wave to try to go win a bowl game. Maybe it's just me and my lack of understanding of the transfer portal. But at what point does one enter the transfer portal and then become ineligible to continue playing for the team you transferred from? You would think that would be a part of it. I mean, you just saw it this week with LSU with Sage Ryan enters the transfer portal within seven days, says, you know what, guys, that was a joke. I actually am very comfortable here. Please do not raid my locker, a la Jaden Daniels. I would like to stay around. And uh, you know what? I don't know if maybe that's it. When we talked about it last week, talking about John Summerall, the new incoming head coach, introducing himself, saying that he was going to talk to some of the players who did declare for the transfer portal. Maybe conversations have been had. I don't know if uh, if maybe before transfers were finalized, things had been rescinded or not. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm but, well. yeah, it, it's just a, it's a very 
I don't understand that situation. I I believe we're going to see Kai Horton and some of these other transfers. But they're transfers. If anything, I, I would I would enjoy the opportunity talking about a team like Tulane. I think it's a little different if we're talking Power 5 football, we're talking, you know, top 25 teams. That's a little bit of a different ball game. But if you're at a school like Tulane where you will either be jumping to a much larger school and attempt to get playtime there, or you're going to go to a much smaller school and attempt to be a starter for the rest of your career by entering the transfer portal. Not many people at that level make a lateral move. Um, you're going to see, I, I would think I would want another opportunity to go out on the field given the opportunity. But obviously there's a chance of worrying about injury risk. There's a chance of worrying about maybe putting out bad tape. But at the same time, if you're so confident in yourself to go get picked up by another school, go put out your talents and let it be seen for what they are. It's a shame that they jumped the gun and went and jumped in the transfer portal before John Summerall showed up and they got a chance to see who that, the new head coach was. Because uh, to hear John Summerall say it, they're winning a championship next year. Right, that's what he now says. They, that's what now, he they've, says. now they've transferred away from a championship team. I know he doesn't really. Yeah. He's going to play for it, whether or not he believes he'll actually achieve it. Yet to be seen. That's a next we season. We will get issue. there. Tulane is also going to be without offensive guard Prince Pines, wide receiver Jaquan Jackson, first-team All-American Athletic Conference rushing in Darius Hodges, and first-team All-AAC cornerback Jarius Monroe. They are skipping the game to begin preparing for the NFL draft. Also gone are the leading wide receiver Chris Brazell, starting safety DJ Douglas, backup defensive back Kentrell Webb, and special teams ace Kylan Harrison, after they have entered the transfer portal. Those have entered the portal and are not playing. See, that's yeah. what I mean. I do not understand. And this is At what question, point? This is a question, you know, do you just make the transfer portal have an open date that's after the season ends? Like, I think you should. I think that's what they need to do. Look, if you go, tra- well. You can have a, yeah. tra- you can have a transfer yeah. portal window. Stick around, the play the season with your team. As soon as the bowl games are over, transfer portal opens. Exactly. You can open it after the bowl games. You can open it after spring practice, and you can open it before fall camp. Otherwise, you're going to end up having people quarterbacking for LSU, transferring out the next week, I starting mean, for Alabama. What we haven't seen. Now, to be fair, you can't change in the middle of the season. But what you we've seen is we've seen players in the case of, uh, I forget the name exactly, player from Houston – where you opt out at week four of the year to preserve your red shirt and go hop in the transfer portal. It's not unheard of. It's not something that we haven't seen before. It still is happening about once or twice a year, not as common as it used to be. But, you know, I don't think necessarily regulating it to death makes it any better. But I think having structured points so that way there's less chaos for the coaching staff, less chaos for the internal chemistry of teams because... Even if 20% of the team leaves, that's still 80% of the guys that need to be able to know what they're doing the next day. And it would be very yep. beneficial to not have to put them through this constant, are you staying, are you going, Am I? do I need to go, should I be here? And it helps a lot with continuity of the game. And I think that's something that needs to be highly considered in preserving. Speaking of guys sticking around and knowing what's going to happen the next day, hey. as we expected... With former head coach Willie Fritz taking the position in Houston, he's already taken a number of the Tulane coaches mm-hmm. with him. 
Defensive coordinator and linebacker coach Sheil Wood, defensive back coach Josh Christian Young, and wide receiver coach Derek Sherman were all released by incoming head coach John Summerall after they had accepted <laughs> positions with Houston. So, Rob Green, who was one of three DB coaches on staff this year, he's going to be the defensive coordinator for the bowl. Peter Hontis, a grad assistant and son of former Tulane star quarterback Rock Hontis, he's going to work with the linebackers. Yep. And another grad assistant, Rodney Salisbury, is going to coach the safeties. Quality control assistant Colin D'Angelo will coach the wide receivers. What is a quality control assistant? I know what quality control is in restaurants because I'm not a small man. What is a quality control on a football team? What quality does he control? I think that's something along the lines of making sure plays are running the way they're supposed to be and that guy gets a $40,000 check and uh, he enjoys the bus. The bus is cool. He likes that. (laughs) He uh, eats at the facility. Uh, he gets a shiny whistle and that's, a clipboard. That's what it is. He is he is team food quality control. There we go. There we go. Now we wow. figured it out. But so that's going to be the coaching staff for Tulane in this bowl game, which is why when we get into the prediction the, the prediction segment, this game is not going to analyze the way I think a lot of folks thought it would. Mm-mm. This not even close. So now that we know all these players, all these coaches, they're not going to be a part of the game. What Tulane team are we going to see? And how does that affect the importance of this game? I think we'll see the core of the Tulane team. You know, what is it really when you take away your, you know, senior bowl candidates, you take away your star players that have draft potential, you know, be it late rounds even, and you're just sort of left with the core of Tulane, you know, where does that stack up? against an ACC school where it seems like if Tulane wants to get any of this conference realignment business, which, you know, we're starting to see some things might be whispered here or there, that seems like their landing spot. It's, i tell you what, it's going to be a very interesting game. Not necessarily a very good game. But it'll be a very interesting, interesting. game. Uh, and uh, it'll be a very interesting off-season to see what happens under uh, first year um, head coach. Back yep, back uptown. We'll see what's going down over there. Uh we're gonna step away for just a second, take yep. a quick break, thank a couple friends, and when we come back, we're gonna kick it around the boot. But first and foremost, nowadays everyone has something to say, but not everybody has a way to say it. Not anymore. Omega Sound and Entertainment, proud partners of the Boot Sports Network and equipment provider for Boots to Balls would like to introduce Omega Sound Mobile Podcasting. You can be just like me and Donald. Yay! They can show up wherever you are with all the gear and expertise you'll need, recording, editing, producing, even publishing. Whatever level help you need, they are happy to provide. Omega Sound Mobile Podcasting is available now. For more information, check out omegasounddjs.com. You can also give them a call, 985-503-3357. 985-503-3357. And, of course, here on the Boot Sports Network, we come to you live for our last show of 2023. And we want to thank you all for making this 
channel, this network, what it has become, which is a place for the Louisiana sports fan to come and get a non-overly saturated, a non-repetition, cut and dry take on Louisiana sports, and it's because of you, the viewer. We do this so that way we can produce a style of coverage that we believe is unique to the market. We believe that is unique for your listening pleasure. And the way how we ask for your support is by hitting that subscribe button, hitting the follow button, and joining us wherever we go. And that happens when you take us wherever you go. You can go and get us anywhere. If you go to the bootsportsnetwork.com, that's bootsportsnetwork.com, you can hit any of our streaming links. We have those all listed there, be it Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, so forth and so on, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also head down to our standard video services, be that YouTube, we now post on Facebook regularly, as well as some interesting ways we're getting on TikTok where we're posting shorter clips there, little 10-minute segments of the show where we talk about some of the most interesting points of the week. That's now over there on TikTok as well as Facebook and Instagram. So please go across the network, leave us a like, Tell us what you've liked so far this year. How can we improve? And what are you looking forward to in 2024? We want to hear all of it from you. Either hit the contact section on bootsportsnetwork.com or leave it in the chat down below. And once again, thank you for watching here on the Bootsports Network. Indeed. Smash that like. Smash that subscribe. Tell your friends to do the same. You ready to get back into it, Dono? I think so. I think so. Kick it! It's time to kick it around the boot! Boom. There's not a whole lot going on besides the bowl game, so we'll do a quick rundown of those in case you didn't know the dates and times. And I'll, Tulane. I'll say, no, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say I'll no. throw in a little bit of uh, update on the National Signing Day stats here as we're getting towards the end of the major first qualifying date. So I have some of that information pulled up, ready to go, let you know some of the uh, interesting statistics going on as we see the new Louisiana sports, the new boot sports players, athletes make their way into the state. Indeed. Thank you for reminding me. Forgot about signing day. Of course. We wouldn't want to leave it out. So, while we are going to be on holiday break from now through the new year, two bowl games going to be happening. Absolutely. Tulane versus Virginia Tech in the GoBowling.com Military Bowl. It's going to be December 27th, two days after Christmas. 1 p.m. kickoff for that one. And then your LSU Tigers, they are going to be playing New Year's Day. At 11 a.m., mm. they're kicking off in the ReliaQuest Bowl against Wisconsin. So, go on New yes. Year's Eve. Do what you do. But if you think you're going to be too tired or too hungover for an 11 a.m. kickoff, don't ready. forget that your DVRs. Some Indeed. Uh, cornbread, black-eyed peas, cabbage, a little bit of all that good New Year's Day foods. Waiting That's for you at lunchtime. Good game day grub. I ain't mad at that at all. And then... Uh, before we get into signing day, one of the signees that we talked about a, a couple of weeks ago was Louisiana high school athlete out of Lafayette. He played for Lafayette Christian. His name was Juwan Johnson. Yeah. Kind of like the tight end for the Saints, but spelled differently. Uh, different guy. Uh, who, as a high school career quarterback, he broke the state record for most total offensive yards in a high school career. He did that earlier this season. 
Uh, we reported then that he is an LSU, was an LSU commit. Well, he has signed with LSU. Yeah. And he's going to play cornerback instead of quarterback. Had a prolific high school career as quarterback. And but he said, nope, I don't even want to play on offense anymore. I'm going to play on defense. Cornerback. And that's one of the weird things you see around this time of year. He comes out as an athlete through the different ranking services, basically. And ranked a four-star pretty much across the board. And you see where these universities can evaluate talent because you look at somebody who's an all-time quarterback someone who's put in the work as a quarterback made their name as a quarterback and say nope you look like you'd be a nice db you will never throw another pass again mr state record holder okay my a lot of people on on the social medias are calling for him to remain on offense so we'll see what happens there well here's the thing it I, i feel like and maybe this is a bit of a stretch i feel like that is someone who, again, sets a record in a position yep. as a high school career player and then goes, it, it, it's Michael Jordan. Yes. That's what it is. It is Michael Jordan 100%. He is the GOAT, the greatest basketball player to ever do it. Disagree with me, think it's LeBron James, and we'll debate it another day. Michael Jordan is the GOAT, okay? He retires and then goes and plays baseball. Yeah. Retires. And everybody wins retires what what why is michael jordan playing baseball and was he the goat at baseball not quite. Nah, not even close which is why he came back to basketball the next the next year or like two years later he was not good at baseball mm-hmm. at all you have a history of being tried and true at a position you have excelled at it you weren't good you were great you are a state record holder the last time that record was broken was over 30 years ago that record will probably stand for at least another 30 years if not longer but you're telling me that you're going to change position after all the coaching that you've received over the last four years to play that position and you're not even you're not even like Taysom Hilling no. You're not going from quarterback to tight end, quarterback to wide receiver. You're playing the other side of the ball. You're going from quarterback to cornerback. Oh, yeah. Now, I, I can understand being a prolific quarterback might give you some insight on how to read an opposing quarterback. You know where he's looking, yeah. what he might be doing, what his reads might be, and that might give you an edge. Totally get it understand it but now you have to learn how to play another position entirely Mm. that you haven't played for the last four years in your in your your training ground your molding ground and you've got to be um you've got to be just college level that's going to be really really hard to do right out the gate too and I'll give a little bit of insight here. I kind of been holding the, you know, holding the answer the whole time. Are, are you familiar with why he's making this transition and not choosing to stay in the quarterback role? Not a clue. Well, let's go ahead and break down your LSU Tigers 2024 signing class. All right, let's do it. I need the drop though. Mm. Get that soundboard. There we go. Apologies. Here it is. Sound your... right if I did. <laughs> 
Looking at the Tigers' 2024 signing class, we're led by five-star Weston Davis out of Beaumont, Texas. This is so far the only signed five-star to the Tigers, and you also follow that up by a wide onslaught of four-star players. For what Brian Kelly did not bring in in five stars, which there are few and far between, a lot of people think that that's a widely given award. That's pretty much that ranking is for about maybe 50 to 100 people a year at most. Primarily, you see four stars of those all-time great players, and you even see some of them come in lower. Think Justin Jefferson, who was a two-star coming out at the very end of his college, uh, high school career there. So, we'll go through a few more. Quarterback, Colin Hurley from Jacksonville, Florida, the four-star, 6'1", 215-pound quarterback, signed today for the LSU Fighting Tigers. That is primarily going to be who assumes the role as third-string quarterback. Now, it would be remiss to not did say that we... State record? What was that? Oh, he was it, Yeah, but did he break state records? He might have had a few. He might have had a few. But more than that, what he did have, just asking. to give some ideas, is he had a unique opportunity to come to LSU knowing that he is following directly behind a all-time quarterback in Jaden Daniels. He has a fourth-year player in Garrett Nussmeyer basically waiting on the job. And then if that wasn't enough fun, he also has the number one presumed quarterback coming into LSU, very much presumed, in 2025. So to make the decision to come in as a quarterback, you also then have Juwan who comes in as an athlete, although is able to play the quarterback position, for what was a problem for LSU for so long, not having any solid quarterback plans in the future. The pipeline is now so full, it's obviously going to lead the transfer portal situations coming down the road, and that's a good problem to have. As much people think it might not be, or that might be something you want to watch out for, the Tigers being full to the brim with quality players is the best thing you can ask for. Yeah. I, especially considering some of the limitations that were put on them uh, because of, of different things that they had to deal with, uh, the infractions in the offseason. Yes. It's not at all a bad signing class by Brian Kelly. No, I think they all. did a fantastic job with what they had. Uh, I For Juwan, I hope they made the right decision. I hope Absolutely. everybody made the right decision. Um me, as someone who was a, uh, a high school athlete and got a taste for competition, if I thought I was damn good at my position and you wanted to put me somewhere else and I wasn't sure I would succeed there, I would go in with a chip on my shoulder ready to compete for the position I thought I should be in. Oh, yeah. They'd had to sell me real good. To get me to switch the way that they got Juwan to switch, and I think Juwan. I wish him the best, and we're going to keep eyes on him for bit, sure. You know, for certain. But no, he was an athlete, and you know that's what he was classified as. So he knew that more than likely it wasn't going to be a permanent quarterback situation. But someone who is not moving position. Are you familiar with the name Trey Des Green? I'm not, but I have a feeling I'm going to be. I know you're out there in the North Shore, and this isn't something that's quite as uh, spoken about over there just due to where this player plays. He is out of Zachary, Louisiana. Go Broncos, for those of you who are up in uh, Zachary. Zachary's a little closer by you. Yeah, so a little bit closer by me. 
This is a 6'6", 230-pound tight end, a grown man who somehow stole an 18-year-old's body. Um, okay. Phrasing. To be very clear, <laughs> to be very clear, I, this is one of the better athletes that LSU has brought in in some years. He could probably transition over to being a wide receiver. He is going to essentially be a dominant tight end day one. I think you'll see him and Mason Taylor probably splitting some reps next year. And that's just a bit of the tip of the iceberg. You also have some big guys in offensive tackle, a 6'7", 300-pound four-star out of Mooresville, North Carolina. That's Ethan Colloway. You have a I'm sorry, who? Other... Ethan Colloway? Out of where? where? Is it... Out of where? Out of North, North Carolina. Carolina. We had to get it in there some way. And not to mention, you also have a couple other big boys coming in down there on the defensive line, including Gabriel Realford out of Evangel Christian Academy in Shreveport, Louisiana. Another four-star. You from Shreveport? Go to bed. So, Tigers are loaded up, and I think we'll have a pretty good year going into next year as far as these young guys. We'll see how many end up taking the red shirt, but... Uh, we'll get into some other ones, maybe in a little bit of a surprise show that I'll be working on over the break while Boots to Balls is on a winter hiatus, but, uh, be looking out for the rest of the schools. They're going to get some insight coming up here. It is indeed going to be a very interesting season next season for LSU. And, uh, I'd be curious to see how some of our other programs did in signing day oh, as absolutely. well. So if you're going to be covering it in that show during our winter hiatus, I'll be watching. Thank you. All right. It is time to move on a little bit. We've talked plenty enough football for today. Let's take it to the hardwood. Basketball ball. It's time for our full court press. And uh, let's uh, we'll start with the pros real quick. Uh, Even though their last outing was a last second loss to John Morant Mm. and the Grizzlies, John Morant returning from 25 games. Yeah. Uh, they lost last second, 115 to 113. But the Pels have been playing some uh, outstanding oh, basketball absolutely. as of late. Uh, prior to that loss, the Pels were in the middle of a four-game win streak, and they were undefeated since yep. falling to the Lakers in the semis of the in-season tournament. They are right now, well, in that four-game stretch, rather, averaging... 130 and a quarter points per game. Real quick, want to take a moment. Uh, we're going to jump back. Shout out Heidi Fendless, and we see she said yep. go Zachary. So she got a little bit of love out there for uh, for the Zachary folks. Yep, Broncos we see fans it. everywhere. And thank you so much for uh, for the love and the support. Uh, getting back uh, to the hardwood. In a uh, the Pels in that four game win streak. Listen to this score. Yeah. 146 to 110. They did that to the Spurs. I mean, the Spurs are only 4 and 22. They're not very good this yep. season. Um, the Pell set a franchise record, not for points scored. Oh, yeah. For sinking 22 three pointers. And that. 22. Look, that game was one that you just had to have a smile on your face. You know, you're playing the number one uh-huh. pick in the draft. And a lot of people were worried, oh, how are the Pelicans going to do once Wimby gets to the league? Oh, this is going to be a problem, this, that, the other. Look, the only challenge that the Pelicans have, and we see why we're one game behind them in the standings, is the Dallas Mavericks right now. 
the Southwest is very much the Pelicans to take. The competition is lessening with the continued, you know, you know, you could say Jaws back in the Southwest, but, you know, he's got nine games to make up to get to where we're at. So I think we're in very good position to secure ourselves a playoff run and to finally have the opportunity to not have to be worrying when it comes to late March. Well, the Pelicans are four games out of the sixth seed, and they're one game behind the ninth seed to not have to host a playing game. Da, da, da. And, you know, that's going to be such a unique, refreshing conversation if things stay the way they are. To just be able to say, this is a fun team to watch. They're going to put up 115 plus a game. CJ, and now I'm going to give CJ his yearly brick pass because he was selling bricks at the end of that game like he was absolutely building a whole entire neighborhood. And we're going to give him a game. We're going to give him a pass. One game. One game. But. Everybody, one. Just one. One. One single game. Because, uh,. Let's be honest, the script writers were very busy last night. They were doing great work. We know the strike just ended. Everyone's back to work. And uh, the NBA put on a show last night. Yeah. Yeah, they did. The Pels, uh, as we mentioned, you talked about them uh, being pretty much in the driver's seat in the Southwest, that it being their division to take. Uh, they are 16 and 12, second in the Southwest behind Dallas, who is 16 and 10. The only reason that uh, the Pels are behind Dallas is because we've played two more games than yep. they have, and we have two losses. Uh, the Pels have a very interesting string of opponents that yes. they will face during our holiday hiatus. Uh, they're going to start with Cleveland, Cleveland, Houston. Then they get a return match with John the Grizzlies the day mm-hmm. after Christmas. Boxing so Day party. Indeed. I hope they box them and send them back to Memphis. Uh, then they're going to get the Jazz, the Lakers at home on Ooh. New Year's Eve. Party and we will get into time. that one. Actually, no. Well, hmm. yes. But there might also be a party at another um, prominent French Quarter hotel. Oh, okay, okay. Or a visiting athlete who might have a birthday sometime around that area. Okay, a little bit of insider information. Okay, I see it there. I see it's it. A, just a little bit. But if you want it, you're going to have to stick around for predictions. I'll yep. get into that later. Um, but no, we got the Lakers at home on New Year's Eve, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, and then they finish with Minnesota on Wednesday the 3rd. So that's going to be a heck of a stretch. Oh, yeah. Right man. You get some quality teams, you get some lesser quality teams, a chance to, you know, push above the 20 win mark there. And, you know, by the time we come back in early January, you can sort of expect this Pelicans team to at least be at pace with Dallas, if not slightly exceeding them by then. Um, I'm hoping for exceeding. I definitely think that they can. Uh, I still think this is going to be a heck of a season for the Pels, and they're playing like they want it. I'm excited for it. You want to do some more Tiger Talk? I think we'll do a little bit. How about we switch up sports, though? Let's do it! How y'all loving this new soundboard we work in? <laughs> Hit us up in the comments. Yay or nay on the soundboard. We're still playing around with it. Got a lot to do with I'm it. enjoying it. I'm enjoying it because I get to push the buttons, and I like to push the buttons. Anyway, uh, the defending national champion LSU Lady Tigers, they just finished a three-game stint crushing in-state opponents. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they had ULL McNeese. Nice well, ULL McNeese and Northwestern. 
combined, they outscored them 297 to 133. Stop it. Stop it. I mean, don't stop it. Yeah. That's a lot. One of those games was a 133 to 44 massacre of McNeese. That happened back in the PMAC on the 12th. I would have loved to be one of the 10,000 plus in attendance for that game. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine what that game was like in the fourth quarter with buckets of dropping? And the thing is, you know, you're in that college environment. You have to kind of feel bad for the band after a certain point. Like, how many times (laughs) do we play this fight song? You know, I'm running out of air. I tell you what, they were probably more winded than Angel Reese and Anissa and everybody on the on the the hardwood because they put in work yes, that they game. Did goodness, everyone got a taste of the court. That's one of the great parts, you know, with those blowout games. You get to see everybody out there. Yep, and everyone that game was dominating. That game set the school record for points and margin of victory. Eighty-nine points they won by. 89 points. And uh, I guess we'll There have been ahead. some games that LSU hasn't even scored 89 points total. They won by 89 points. Yeah. And, and just to give you perspective, they played tonight while we were in the middle of recording uh, in Baltimore at Angel Reese's uh, hometown, of course, against Choppin State University. Maybe Chopin. Is it Choppin? I like I'd have mispronounced Chopin. it. I don't, I, don't know if they're, I don't know if they're Never quite French it. enough over there in Baltimore. We'll have to see. Um, they played the Chopin State Eagles, State Eagles, excuse me, and uh, they only scored eighty points. They only it shows the game. The game is done. It's the over. game is done. Eighty to forty-eight. The Tigers improved to twelve and two, twelve and one. I'm sorry. Uh, Angel Reese with twenty-six e- points in that one. Big score. Even in that outstanding. performance i yeah. guess is the only they only scored 80 yeah at the uh raucous physical education complex in baltimore they beat mcneese by more than they scored tonight and that was without Haley van lith by the way let's not forget that part that's without that, one of your starters that's bananas that this team so this team is going to be you know exciting to see once they get to sec play because you're going to have to imagine there's still going to be games where they're playing actual in-conference opponents and beating them 30, 40, 50 plus. And, you know, it's going to help cement a legacy for this squad that's now, you know, for the most part together for a second year here. You know, you're going into basically, you know, maybe college basketball Hall of Fame levels that they can keep this pace up with the outscoring and such to where you're going to basically get to, you know, just get to cement yourself into that hall um, just based on these performances, because this is more than what we've seen from other schools. You know, we've seen UConn go on dominating runs. They aren't beating teams by 100. <laughs> yep. You'll see 50. You'll see 60. But, a hundred, you know, 90? 89? Entirely different ballgame. It is going to be uh, a very interesting 2024 for the Lady Tigers. They only have one game during our holiday hiatus. Uh, that is going to be Jacksonville on the 30th. Then when we come back, yep. uh, we'll be back on the 3rd, January 3rd. They start uh, 2024 play in conference with Mizzou Missouri. on January 4th, which is going to be, I think, a great game. I'd agree. 
But I think the one that folks have circled on their calendar is coming up three short weeks after that. Mm-hmm. January 25th, when the LSU Lady Tigers host the currently unanimously number one ranked Lady Cox of South Carolina. At home. At home. televised audience. ESPN. Worldwide broadcast. Come and get your love, South Carolina. Let me say, the tickets to that one are not getting ready for you. Yeah, the tickets to that one are not getting any easier to get. The whole season ticket allotment's already sold out. The student section is going to be on a wait list or a lottery, probably. If you want to go to that game, if you want your loved one to go to that game, if you You want your loved one to pay for you to go to that game, make sure to get your Christmas list right because you better get that on there immediately. Yep, you better know somebody. Oh, man, that is going to be a heck of a game. Uh, anything else we got? To, no, we do have to. You've got some stuff. I know there were some uh, some players who won some awards for LSU this week. So, yeah, you had a dual uh, opportunity for player of the week. Uh, and I'm just going to pull this up real quick. Everyone bear with me. But Angel Reese won the National Sporting Player of the Year. That's right. Not the Louisiana, not the, you know, local. No, the National Sporting Player of the Year. Sporting Player of the Year. That sounds like it would cross over multiple sports. It It does. It does. And uh, It's not just like the National Basketball Player of the Year. Mm -mm. Not the National Female Basketball Player of the Year. National Sporting Player of the Year. Of the year. Just so I can say them correctly, the Sporting News Athlete of the Year, Angel Reese. Uh, that deserves. Absolutely. That deserves and a clap and congratulations. of the week, we can't uh, forget, of course, that was Mikhail, Michaela Williams. And Indeed. just because why not, co-player of the week, Angel Reese also showed up in the SEC. Everybody getting a flowers. Congratulations, Everybody. ladies. Well done. Well done. You about ready to get some flowers? I think let's look back and see how this went as I continue my climb to uh, get that uh, trophy we're going to at the end of the old winter time. I tell you what, I, there are things that I have noticed. When it comes to predicting football, I'm not too bad. Pretty good. Pretty when good. it comes to predicting basketball, I could be better. I could be better. Oh man, it was a good week for uh, for us prediction wise. It okay. was a better week for you than for me. So, I will give you kudos without uh, having gone into anything. I will let you know that okay. for the second consecutive week, Whoa. Don Wanald is the weekly winner. How about that? Starting a streak. All right, so let's see exactly how well you did. We started with Southern Miss versus McNeese men's basketball. Okay. Uh, we both felt pretty confidently that McNeese was going to win this when they have been looking amazing Absolutely. so far this season. Uh, so I said 84 to 71. You said 85 to 52. It was a lower scoring game than we both expected. Yes. 67 48, but McNeese won. Donald, you were closer. You were only off by 22. So there is your first ding of the week. Oh, well done. Thank you. Thank you. LSU versus Texas men's basketball. Mm, this game. Uh, yep. 
we uh, we both didn't put a whole lot of stock in the uh, the LSU Tiger guys. Uh, we thought Texas was going to get their goat, and sadly, Texas did. The final was 96-85. You said 81-63, to off by a total of 37 mm. points. I said 80 to 73. Uh, we were very close in our predictions. One point less for Texas. 10 points more for the Tigers. That brought me within 28 points of the actual final. So a ding for Dave. Very nice. And uh, I'll add a little bit of note here. But NCAA had a rule suspension last week on Wednesday, which allowed uh, the first time we're going to be seeing Jalen Cook this year in this Texas game. And he was able to provide some instant offense for the Tigers, but ultimately the team is still constructed kind of poorly. So you didn't quite see everything come together, but the Tigers are now a lot more competitive than where they were prior to his addition to the team. I'm excited to see where they go the rest of the year. Indeed. I am as well. Things should, things should start shaping up Indeed, uh, for the Tigers, and hopefully we will see that over our holiday hiatus. Moving right along, ULL versus Jackson State in the New Orleans Bowl. That game was close, and it was physical. Boy, oh boy, was that physical. Yeah, Gamecocks did not not come to play. No, no. I mean, they came to play, but very competitively. Very competitively. We thought, we both thought ULL was going to run away with it, Mm. and they did not. In overtime... Jacksonville State would win 34 to 31. So now, since we both picked the wrong team, yep. we defer to point differentials. I said I thought it was going to be 27 to 24. I was right in the fact that it was going to be a three point uh, disparity between the teams, a three point deficit. Uh, but it didn't matter. I was 14 points off the total. Mm. You were only nine off. Hey. You said 32 to 24, much closer. Uh, with the, uh, the the scores there. So, a ding for Donald. Donald's up 2-1. to one. one of the weirdest games I've ever seen. 300 yards more on offense versus three defensive touchdowns, and somehow it still went to overtime. Correct. It was unbelievable. And a hockey fight broke out in the yeah. middle of it. Don't no, forget about that. <laughs> How could you? If you saw it, you wouldn't forget it. All right. Uh, Pell's Hornets. This was from Friday, yep. December 15th. Uh, we both picked the Pels in this one. We were both right. The Pels would win 112 to 107. I said 123 to 111 was off by 15. You were extraordinarily close for mm-hmm. a basketball game. You said 111 to 99, only nine points off. A third ding for Donald. That's where he wins for the weekend. We still had one game left. Saints and G-Men, the final there was 24-6. to six. Donald thought it was going to be a higher-scoring game. Yep. He said New Orleans 31-27. to 27. We had Charlotte Hall jump in with a prediction on this one as well. She said the Saints 17-15. to 15. She was off by 12. You were off by 28. I was off by 4. Yeah. 4. 24-10 was my prediction. So I was almost kind of hoping that. I was almost kind of hoping New York was going to kick another field goal. I didn't want them to score, but I'd have been happy with that. Uh, 24 to 10, I was off by four points. Yay for me. I take a second ding of the week. I took two for five. You took three for five. Brett was not with us last week. That's how it all broke down. 94 games we've predicted thus far. 94. 
94. We're going to predict six more here in just a second. We're going to finish 2023 with 100 even predictions. 100. Nice. So it'll be really easy to figure out what the percentages will be. <laughs> so uh, where we stand, I am currently still in the lead, 48 of 94. Very nice. You are second place, 36 of 94. And uh, Brett is at 13 of 51. Which would basically equate to about 26 of 100. So, all right. And sadly, Brett will not be here. uh, So unless he decides to start throwing in some predictions on the the old YouTube machine, uh, it's not going to go well for him. All right. We ready to look ahead? Let's go and do it. For the last time. Since we're going to be gone until the new year, uh, we're going to pick both of our bowl games. Yes. We're going to pick two Saints games. We have a men's basketball game and a Pels game. You ready for it? Let's do it. Here we go. The first is going to be the Tulane versus Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech GoBowling.com Military Bowl. Bowl. The 11-2 Green Wave take on the 6-6 six six Hokies of Virginia Tech. What the hell even is a Hokie anyway? Some type of bird and sandwich at the same time. Ooh, it's a bird sandwich. Yeah. Ah, whatever. I don't care. Just whatever you do, don't let the on papers fool mm-hmm. you here. As we've discussed, excuse me, as we've discussed earlier in the show, this is not going to be the same Tulane Green Wave team that amassed that 11-2 and record that got them here. They have a new interim coaching system. A number of starters aren't playing either due to prepping for the Senior Bowl, the draft, or they've transferred out. So will a newly coached Tulane second string be better than the Virginia Tech starters? That is the question to answer. Because make no mistake, the Hokies are excited to play in this game. Only three Hokies have opted out of this. That's tight end Daquan Wright, wide receiver Dwayne Lofton, and CP Derek Canteen. Mm. I think that was supposed to be CB. I don't know why I said P. Yeah, quarterback, something like that. Yep. Uh, they've sold their allotment of tickets. They are sold out. They are. They weren't good enough to make it last year. The team wants it this year. Their fans seem to want it. I don't know that I'm... for them, right? It is. It's a much closer proximity than it is for the Green Wave faithful. Uh, and I don't know that I'm getting that same feeling mm-hmm. from Tulane that they want it. Uh, for me, as a boot sports fan, I'm going to tell you that it almost kind of feels like it's being received as a bit of a consolation prize. Yeah, we're here. Thanks for the invite. At best, for Tulane, what this game is going to be is going to be an entire team-wide audition for incoming head coach John Summerall to see exactly what kind and how much work he's going to have to do in the offseason. Virginia Tech is favored by 10.5. Virginia Tech, 6-6, favored by 10.5 with an over-under at 46. Playing outside in 48-degree Maryland weather. Hmm. Sorry, Tulane fans. I want it, but I'm just not seeing it. Donald, you want to go first? Or you want me to drop the first one? I'll take a look at this one. I mean, I'm I'm kind of going over Virginia Tech, their stats, their record this year, and what I've learned more than anything with bowl games is that nothing works as it's supposed to, but it works in a trend that you can predict. I honestly see Virginia Tech here more than anything. This is a team that just kind of likes to go out there and have fun with the game. They're not really trying to, I suppose, overstretch their own known capacities and capabilities. 
that's why I have this one basically being what I see as an average Virginia Tech game. I'm going to see them put up about 36 points in this one. And then as far as Tulane goes, you're without your starting quarterback. You're without your, theoretically, we don't know yet, backup quarterback. Maybe he plays, maybe he doesn't. And if more than anything we learned from Tulane this year is that they struggle on offense as is. So I'm not going to assume that they're going to exceed that already struggling offense, even though their defense will definitely improve um, a little bit in this side of competition because, man, let me tell you, Virginia Tech has had some troubles. I'm going to go ahead and just say, look, straight up, I don't see Tulane winning this. I've got Virginia Tech 36, Tulane 18. Bit of a gap there. 36 to 18. Virginia Tech. Very nice tour in the Naval Academy, though. I hope Tulane has fun. Not going to lie. I've got Tech in this one, too. I don't think Tulane's going to do it. Uh, I've got it being a little lower scoring. I don't think Virginia Tech Hmm. is going to be able to put up 36 on Tulane. I think 27 is about right. Uh, But we are very close in what we think Tulane is going to do. I'm taking Virginia Tech 27-17. 27-17. Okay, very nice. All right. Moving right along, LSU versus Wisconsin in the ReliaQuest Bowl. Uh, we talked about it earlier in the program. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do about Malik Neighbors? I said, I think that I feel like as soon as he gets this record, the game will also become an exhibition for the future. Very much like the, uh, the GoBowling.com Military Bowl. The biggest difference is here is you still got Brian Kelly's complete coaching staff The LSU Tigers of 2023 could easily beat the Wisconsin Badgers handily with their second team in the regular season. And I think that you're going to see that on New Year's Mm -hmm. Day. Everybody with their pass can get all aboard the Nussbus. Let's go for a ride. Let's see what could be in store for next year's Tiger team. LSU is favored by 10 with an over-under of 54.5. An 11 a.m. kickoff from Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay. With the Saints playing there the day before, it's going to be a busy day for the field yes, crew. Indeed. And I think the boot owns the bay to start 2024. Give me LSU in this one, much like your Virginia Tech score. I'm saying 37-17. I want the 17s this week. A lot of 17s. Hey, that's how we started the year off. Look, ultimately... Ultimately, this is something more than just talking about a different quarterback. LSU has not only lost their primary quarterback, they've lost their primary rusher. The offense has to operate differently under... When you're operating under the Nuss Bus, all the rules that you've enjoyed with Jaden over the past two years go out the window. All the rules that you hated under Jaden for the past two years, we still remember you all. We keep receipts. Go out the window. So, under the Nussbus rules, that means that the deep passes are not for, you know, a diversion from a run. It's a deep pass, and it's gonna be deep. Whenever you have to now go back to your actual split committee backfield, which includes some seniors playing their last game that I think are going to give you a very strong performance, as well as some other players that we may not have seen a lot of this year, but, you know, are going to be prominent next year in our rushing core. 
this is going to be a Tigers offense that doesn't feel like the normal Tigers offense. I don't know what we'll see from even players like Brian Thomas, who have a very strong case to, you know, consider going ahead to the NFL. Those who are kind of on the fringe. What ultimately I hope to see is that LSU's defense improves and that the offense can at least be somewhat competent and functional. I have this one being closer than what most are predicting, but I still see the Tigers winning. A little bit of a garbage time, you know, action here. I see the Tigers winning 41, Wisconsin 28. Ooh, 41. Mostly it's that Wisconsin at 28 that kind of scares me because I think they can start getting things rolling. They were not good at scoring all year, but we know what happens when teams get a hold of our defense. Anything is possible. True story. All right. McNeese versus Michigan. Men's basketball basketball now. We were just talking about McNeese when we were looking back, talking about how well they have been playing this year. The Cowboys are 10-2. and Yes. And they are traveling to challenge the 6-6 six and six Michigan Wolverines. Again, the on-papers are going to make you believe that the Cowboys should saddle up and ride home with another dub. But before you chalk this one up as a gimme, let's look a little closer, shall we? Let's do it. McNeese has won their last five. They've had some high-scoring games this year. They beat UT Martin 91-80. to UAB 81 to 60, Letourneau 81 to 49, Champion Christian 110 to 46, College of Biblical Studies 96 to 55, and let's not forget the recent December 5th 92 to 23 thrashing of the Mississippi University for women. What? What? Go W. The Mississippi University. It, they, they, they didn't change. We are talking about Cowboys basketball. They, they, they let the guys in, but they didn't want to change the legacy. So it's, yeah. I, 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 Division three, by the way, for those of you who are wondering, I actually have a person I know who plays on the softball team over there. So, you know. A man or a woman? A woman. <laughs> just checking. Never heard of Michigan. You, <laughs> you do. I'm just, look, whatever. Yay. Hey. Michigan has only won two of their last five. They beat Iowa and Emu, Emu. while suffering a 78-75 loss to Indiana, 86-83 overtime loss to Oregon, and a 106-101 double overtime loss to Florida most recently. Four of Michigan's six losses have been within five points, and they haven't played the Mississippi University for women. McNeese needs to take this challenge very seriously. If they don't, and the analytics are right, this six-win Wolverine team could stuff a third L into the Cowboys' saddlebags. Donald, I believe it's your turn. Who you picking? So I have to trust Willie the Kid here. You saw this team without him and during his 10-game suspension go up to VCU, get a win on the road. This one is going to be in the Chrysler Center up there in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Ultimately, Michigan is a team that has done very well the past few years. To see them right now in this state where they're kind of not gaining a lot of traction, this is an opportunity to catch a big-name program at a weak point in their season. 
I'm not necessarily sure that this Michigan team will be making the tournament like past few years Michigan's teams have, but at the same time, you look at what McNeese is building in a tournament resume. If you can get besides the wins against the Mississippi University for women, you still are getting some solid wins. Sunbelt, you're getting wins over ULL. Your quality losses are Louisiana Tech, another nine-win team. You have another loss that is not very bad. If McNeese can get this win against Michigan, that is a big ding in their tournament resume and gets them a better shot, should they fall short of the Southland Conference Tournament, to get in as an at-large. I have McNeese taking this one on the road. I have it a very close game, well defended. Will Wade is very good at running a press late in the game to get back in the games. I have them winning this one, 78, Michigan, 74. I like it. I like it. Except for the team you picked. Hmm. I think McNeese, I don't think they've played the same schedule. I don't know if they're going to be as game ready uh, as, as Michigan will be. They're traveling. It's going to be a tough one. I like the Wolverines in this one, 84-70. That's not a bad pick. It's not a bad pick at all. Uh, this game could go either way. Very much so. I would not be upset to see McNeese win, uh, other than the fact that I would lose the ding to you. But I Please would not keep be them coming. I've been enjoying them recently. <laughs> Part of <laughs> like Trisha's ba- daily balanced breakfast. It's a basketball game, as we've decided. All right. Speaking of basketball games, we have got another one to predict. Okay. The Pels and the Lakers on New Year's Eve. This is one I think Pels fans have been waiting for mm-hmm. since that unceremonious 133-89 to ousting from the in-season tournament. Why? Because I honestly believe that our team, that our coaches, and our fans honestly believe that the Pelicans are a better team than the Lakers. I believe that. The Lakers are 15-12, and 12, so we already have a better record. Absolutely. What the Lakers do have is bigger names. They've got LeBron. Yes. They have former Pelicans, Anthony Davis, Jackson Hayes. But what the Lakers don't have is consistency. They lack consistency. They're horribly inconsistent. They blow us out in the tournament, but then they turn around and lose to Dallas. Then they barely beat San Antonio, who's one of the worst teams in the league, and the worst team in the West. And then they turn around and lose to them. The next time they play them. Yep. I believe the Lakers are going to come into this game with us very tired. Mm. Here's why. They host the Hornets in L.A. on the 28th. After that, they got to travel to Minnesota for a 7 p.m. tip-off on the 30th, which is LeBron's birthday. Then they're going to take a red eye to the Big Easy for a 6 p.m. tip-off in the SKC on the next day. And a little birdie told me that LeBron James is planning a significant after-party slash birthday party in a prominent French Quarter hotel Hmm. after the game. So his mind is going to be in all sorts of places. I don't care who you are. That's a lot. Very lot. Even for finely tuned athletes, the games, the travel, all the party planning, and all the rest of it. The Pels right now, they are firing on mostly all cylinders. And they're going to be home from December 23rd to January 2nd. They're going to be nice, rested, 
in their beds, mm-hmm. playing in their home court arena. They're going to be ready to blow out King James's candles. I'm taking the Pels in this one. 129-104. So I like where you kind of went with that insight, and I'll add on a little bit of a cake topper to it. So this is a second game of a back-to-back. Very important thing with the new NBA rules designation on sitting players. LeBron is already exempt to this rule because he probably wrote half of it. Not only that, he's also over 35. But Anthony Davis, a a lovely member of many legacies in New Orleans. A lot of people have a lot of emotions for Anthony Davis. He certainly gave us all of his emotions on his way out of the city. I have to tell you this, Pelicans fans. We know his injury history. We know his injury, you know portfolio all sorts of different things but more than anything we know that when it comes down to a critical game in new orleans a critical showing in new orleans where anthony davis should show up should show his face he doesn't like to do it he doesn't like to do it the lakers whenever they are playing in new orleans over the past few years you can look at the breakdown are usually not very good Part of it's because the entire city of New Orleans comes out. Both the East Bank, the West Bank, Uptown, mostly the West Bank. No North Shore, South Shore, everybody coming. No, no And they mama. That's right. And when the West Bank comes, and Uptown comes, Midtown, Metairie, Kenner, to see the Lakers play, there's a lot of Lakers fans in that building. And there's nothing better than seeing the Lakers fans who is, one, not watching LeBron, but paid LeBron prices. And there's nothing better than a Lakers fan who's watching Anthony Davis, but somehow is also expecting Anthony Davis not to be injured for this game. I know the formula. I know how this goes. You've already tipped off everybody's hat. LeBron will be partying for his birthday in New Orleans, as well as celebrating the new year. We can all celebrate this new year, hopefully after the next game that we pick with the Saints. I think that this is going to be a double ding for the city that day. I have the Pelicans winning. Not the best game you've ever seen, but they're going to play Pelicans basketball. I have them at 116, Los Angeles at 108. I'll take it. I like mine better, but I'll take that. Fair enough. All right, last two for 2023 are Saints game. That's right. Saints Rams Thursday. Seven and seven Saints travel to face the seven and seven Rams in LA on the short week for both teams. The Rams have been playing relatively well lately, winning four of their last five against Washington, Cleveland, Arizona, and a seventeen sixteen win against the Seahawks. Those teams not the greatest, but no. not bad. Their one loss was a thirty seven to thirty one overtime loss. To the current number one seed in the AFC, the Baltimore Ravens. Okay, that's impressive. Not bad. While it would be nice for the Saints to win out and guarantee an NFC South title, because if they win out, it is a 100% chance they're going. Uh, This could be the biggest challenge that the Saints face on their road to the postseason. And I have said it earlier, if they're going to win, if they're going to lose one, this is the one I would prefer them to lose and still think they would be okay. Yeah, they got other avenues, but I would much rather lose this one than any one of our division foes. Now, 
Don't get me wrong. Mm. I am not giving them an out. I'm just saying mathematically. Bucks play the Jags. We both lose. Keep the same record going into yep. our New Year's Eve matchup before season finale against Atlanta. I like both of those odds for us. Now, the Saints ended today. The Rams would be the NFC's seventh seed. The last two weeks, the Saints' opponents have been held to only 12 points. Granted, it was Carolina and the Giants. Yes. If our 11th-ranked defense, who's allowing the sixth-fewest touchdowns in the NFL, can do that against the eighth-ranked offense, which, by the way, we're the number 14th-ranked offense, believe Mm -hmm. it or not, this could be a really exciting home stretch. I think that uh, I'll pick. You want to pick this one first, or you want to pick Saints Bucks first? No, we got to pick this one first. We got to go in order. No, but I mean, do you want me to give my prediction oh, on well, this? I'll, one go, first? I'll go for this one. Yeah. Okay. Look, I think that this game is going to be kind of a kind of a rough one because I would normally expect this to be one that we can easily take care of because we're a little bit better on the road, even though records don't show that. I find that the Saints play better on the road. They play a more complete game on the road. However, with the injury to Lonnie Johnson Jr., a a weird tipping point here, I find that that could give the Rams a unique opportunity. Donald, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. We lost you for a second. Oh, no. Okay. But you hear me. I hear you now. Yep, Excellent. You're back. Beautiful. Um, so we're so, talking about the Saints on the road. Yes, absolutely. So you have Poku Nakua, um, who was able to basically come onto the scene early in the year. He has a lot of opportunity, as well as Cooper Cup now out there. The Saints are sort of down in the backfield. So I think this is one of the games where you're going to have to rely on your offensive excuse me, your defensive line getting into their offensive backfield and causing havoc. Matthew Stafford is not the mobile quarterback he once was, but he still knows how to skirt around. I don't think it'll be quite enough this game. I think ultimately Cam Jordan, Brian Brzee, and the other players up there on the front end of the Saints line has enough to be able to slow down the Los Angeles Rams passing attack. I have the Saints winning this one just barely. I'm taking them 32-24. I would like to see a high-scoring game. Don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be a very defensive struggle. Not going to see a lot of high-scoring. But I think the Saints are going to get two touchdowns in this one. Give me New Orleans 17-13. Very nice. Very nice. We'll see how that pans out. Our final game. Of the year. 2023. Pick 100. Here we go. Saints. Bucks. New Year's Eve. Despite what happens in L.A. on Thursday, the last two games of the seasons are ones that matter maybe the most for the Saints, especially this one. Saints currently have the record over Atlanta, but in a tie with Tampa, the Saints might lose the tiebreaker. Making a prediction 10 days out is tough because a lot can happen in those 10 days. Derek Carr, or any Saint for that matter, could catch an injury in L.A. Same could happen to Tampa. Hopefully by New Year's Eve, we'll have Chris Olave, Ryan Ramchek, and Carl Granderson back, which should make a big difference. They could return for the Thursday night matchup against the Rams, but if not then, for this one, for sure, would be great. Absolutely. 
But the Bucks, by then, should also get back a handful of their currently injured players. Baker is having a weird year. A very Baker weird Mayfield. year. He's thrown more and completed less passes than Derek Carr. Yep. But he's got eight more touchdowns and one more interception. They run the ball more. Mike Evans has more yards and touchdowns on fewer receptions than Chris Olave, who is our leading receiver. But Chris Olave hasn't played the last couple of games due to injury. So, ah, yeah. Ah. I don't believe that this team is as good as I may have just made them sound. Mm-mm. They barely beat Carolina by three points. Three points. They barely beat Atlanta by four points. And, yeah, they beat us pretty soundly earlier this year, but we didn't know who we were. Plenty we didn't here. know who they were. And now we know who everybody is. That's right. Right now in New Orleans, it is postseason or bust. It is the biggest remaining game for every player and every coach on our calendar. I would expect to see a very aggressive Saints team on both sides of the ball because there's no other way to play this game. Give me the Saints in this one, 24-20. So we have uh, Jessica Hall hopping into the comment section with a Go Saints. But not what up, Jessica? Go Saints. Also a New Orleans 21, other team 13. I'm taking that Which as a, other team we predicted two I'm Saints I'm taking that as double prediction. Double prediction for both games. Very interesting. Very unique way to predict these. Um... But I'm looking at. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give her that one for both for both games. For That's both fine. games, I mean, they can only win so many times, you know. So okay. let's look at Tampa because Tampa's unique. We talk about Tampa as a team on a three-game winning streak. We talk about Tampa as a team that's starting to get everything together. Yet at the same time, I see Tampa the team that lost six out of seven. Mm-hmm. I see Tampa the team that also in the beginning of the year won three out of four. Ultimately, I think that this Tampa team is one that is not really able to keep things consistent. And if we see three straight victories here, I don't see two more consecutive victories in their system. I just don't. I think that they're a little bit too unstable of a team. However, you've been having pretty good games by Mike Evans all year. Thank you for keeping me in the fantasy playoffs this long, Mike. You've done me great (laughs) benefits. Um, But other than that, the team is just not that consistent. I'm looking at a team like Jacksonville who took the loss this week. So they are now pretty much in also playoff or die mode. They know that they are in a very tight AFC playoff race. They need to get the victory. I have them beating Tampa this week uh, on Christmas Eve. And then that leading to Saints versus Bucks being an absolute brawl for the NFC South title. Maybe there's a chance one of them slips into a wild card even otherwise than that. This is where the lead, the division's going to be won. And I ultimately see Saints taking it. Um, going to be a bit more Saints fans than there should be with LSU in town that week. I think that you're ultimately going to have a very 50-50 stadium. Ultimately, look... Baker Mayfield is a very competent quarterback, but I'm seeing Baker Mayfield with multiple sub-250 yard passing games. He only passed for 144 against Atlanta. There is no, and, and their rushing attack is abysmal at best, with many games being under 50 yards in the rushing attack for the leading rusher. 
a lot of similarity to the Saints, but not quite enough in the defects. I think the Saints are figuring it out. Pete Carmichael has somehow flipped the switch. He is now back in 2017 where he belongs with a young Alvin Kamara and a young Drew Brees. Still, no, nah, I'm, not, I'm not even going to give him that, but you know what I'm going with that. Uh, Saints win this one. I have it at a 28-24. We're both with a four-point deficit. Yeah. All right. I like it. All right. That wraps up our 100th prediction that's right and our last show of the year we're about to get out of here uh but before we do we want to just remind everybody first and foremost want to thank everybody who was a part of uh the program here uh, our live stream thank you very much thank you to everyone who has been a part of us whether you're a day one -er or not uh, we appreciate all the love this year and uh, we look forward to sharing that continued love for boot sports with you guys in 2024 Uh, for those of you who are just here this is your day one yes Uh, we love to interact with you guys so you all can always feel free to comment on in the comment section of uh, youtube or wherever you're following the podcast or you can always go to bootsportsnetwork.com. Bootsportsnetwork.com is your front row VIP ticket to Boots to Balls and all things Boot Sports. It's where you can leave comments, questions, and predictions. You can also find us in your preferred podcast arenas. Yes, if you weren't part of our live stream, you can leave predictions for any of the games that we just predicted, and we will make sure to include yours Absolutely. when we look back next year. Uh, and, of course, right here, down below, yep. all of our social channels. You can also find Boop Sports Network on TikTok as well. So if you prefer to catch the show in abbreviated versions, uh, we are starting to get those up there for you as well. So you can catch some of your favorite segments. We hope that you guys have a fantastic, uh, I was going to say Boot Sports Weekend, but no. Yeah. I'm going to say we wish you a Merry Christmas. And a happy new year. Oh. Uh, a very Merry Christmas. Happy holiday season. Absolutely. If, you're, if you're not a Christmas celebrator, whatever you celebrate, we hope that your celebration is fantastic. There's going to be a ton of boot sports to enjoy. Yes. And uh, we look forward to breaking it all down with you in 2024. Donald, anything you want to say to the people before we go? Once again, thank you all for helping us in our first year, 2023. It'll always be a memorable one for us here. On behalf of not only myself, but producer Brett coughing and at home with the flu, we thank you for all the love and support. We hope that once again, you know, you're bundled up next to friends and family this holiday season, and you find yourself in front of a good plate of food, because there's nothing more Louisiana than watching the Tigers and the Saints take victory with a good plate of food in front of you. So on that note, to 2024, here we go. And hopefully we're covering the playoffs whenever we get back. Indeed. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next year for another episode of Boots to Balls. Happy holidays, everybody. Boots to Balls is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast does not render legal or financial advice. Remember to bet responsibly, and if you or anyone you know is struggling with problem gambling, reach out to your local gambling helpline.